The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Never doubt Patrick LeVon Mahomes again. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory celebrating a divisional round victory in comeback fashion against the Houston Texans. What a way to kick off the playoffs for the Chiefs. Now they stand one game away from hoisting the Lamar Hunt Trophy. In Arrowhead against the Tennessee Titans is going to be a good one. But let's just get into some of the mailbag questions before that. Help, here to help me. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you? I mean, I'm good, but what's everybody been sweating about? We won by 20, and people are acting <laughs> like it was difficult or something. I don't understand. I mean, Craig's here with us. Craig, what did you think about that? Oh, you lost your voice at the game from yelling too much? Yeah, that happens. It happens to me a lot when I go back to Kansas City and go to Arrowhead, too. But that we're glad you were there to cheer on the Chiefs without you. I don't think they could have pulled this off yelling from the stands. <laughs> Craig uh, Craig can't be with us. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, um, he, he was suffering from a cold. He also went to Arrowhead for the game. I'm really disappointed that Craig couldn't be a part of this one. I'm, I feel really bad for him because... He got to be part of that energy. He got to be, you know, contributing to the noise. He got to see some things firsthand, got to watch that game firsthand. So it's kind of a bummer that, you know, that he wasn't able to do this. Believe me. He literally left it all on the field. <laughs> literally. All being his voice. No, but I, but actually, in reality, Craig's just pulling a Chris Jones. He just he couldn't show up for the big game. No, I'm just <laughs> that sounded like a lot of shade, and it shouldn't have. I'm not trying to throw shade. But I guess I just did. I'm not on purpose. Josh McCown would never. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't supposed to be shade. Um, we got plenty of questions though. Uh, President Zavi tweeted out. He just said, "How was your weekend? It was pretty good. It was really good. <laughs> uh, a lot of good things happened. We're gonna uncover all those. AP Nerd Squad at gmail.com asked a question. Um, Andrew Nagel asks, "Was someone hurt?" Uh, that we saw so much DOD on the field yesterday. What was your feeling about the play of Juan Thornhill's replacement? And am I crazy for thinking the Belldozer TD was one of the my favorite touchdowns of the season? Thank you for the great work. Um, it was very surprising to see Dorian O'Daniel get some snaps. Really, I, 
I mean, I, I don't think it was just all garbage time either. I think there was a few snaps before the game was out of hand or, you know, necessarily just they're running the clock out. He was mostly just spying Deshaun Watson. That was about the extent of what he did. I didn't see him do much of anything. I don't know if I'm going to look too much into that yet. Uh, Maddie, what do you think of the Juan Thornhill replacements? Well, yeah, real quick on the Dorito Daniel thing. I think it was something the Chiefs were working on for Lamar Jackson, and it just also happened to be a Deshaun Watson thing. But I almost put this in the podcast last week that when we got a question about O'Daniel, that that would be the one spot I could see him as just a dedicated spy because he's quick, because he's done it in college before. So I wasn't too surprised to see it. I just think they were really trying to get that ready for Lamar Jackson coming up, and now we don't need to. As far as Thornhill's replacement, it seemed like Kendall Fuller got the bulk of the snaps in that role, or it was Dan Sorensen in the base defense. It went to Kendall Fuller next. They still didn't play near as much single high as they would with Juan Thornhill. I think you're missing some range over the top, but overall, I think the guys did solid. Armani watched the few snaps he played. Sorensen, Kendall Fuller, they all did their job. Nothing was flashy. They didn't get beat either they just they did their job they played well in that absence and I don't think you're gonna have too many other teams that have that kind of vertical passing threat that the Houston Texans provides that's good news for the Chiefs going forward Maddie uh are you is is Andrew crazy for thinking the belldozer was one of his favorite touchdowns of the season I mean the play was nice <laughs> I like the play design I I am not as big of a Blake Bell fan as some other local people to the Kansas City area. I think that Blake Bell has been very good for the Chiefs. I just know some people like to root for their hometown kind of hero guys, and he fits that mold, so I can see how that's really cool. I thought the play design was really nice. I'm glad that he was able to hold on to the football. That's been a little bit of an issue so far this year, so I'm glad he caught it. The celebration after the Blake Bell touchdown was elite. Eric Fisher... Just exceptional. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, back to the Twitter questions. Um, our guy, Austin Seaham, 33. Uh, honest thoughts, reactions after the Chiefs went down 24-0, Matt. Since you said honest, I will say I wasn't necessarily nervous, but I did think it was kind of sad and embarrassing to be down 24-0 to the Bill O'Brien-led Houston Texans, the Bill O'Brien-built led Houston Texans. I thought the Chiefs were playing pretty poorly and they needed to flip a switch. The game was going to get out of hand. I wasn't thinking we were out of it. I didn't think it was over, but I was definitely on the fringe of thinking this game could turn real ugly real fast. And it, I mean, it did turn real ugly real fast, just not for the Chiefs. <laughs> I was just stunned. Like, I mean, it was just, it was a shock to the system to see what was happening. And honestly, I, I didn't think it was over. I really genuinely did not think it was over. Did I think it was they were in a good position? No! They were in a terrible position. It was awful. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I honestly wondered, like, as much, you know, the Dave Tobe has cost this team a game before with his lack of preparation and special teams. Just happens to be the team that the, t- the Chiefs are playing uh, next week. In the AFC Championship game, he's got, he's got to be perfect on special teams that week. I wasn't. I didn't think the game was over. It was just. It was stunning. It was a stunning start to that football game. I know a lot of people were angry, furious. A lot of people were angry at me <laughs> because I tried to be optimistic 
and and spread positivity about Patrick Mahomes before the game was happening. I literally just opened my comments up. I literally told everybody, just if you need someone to vent at, please feel free to vent it at me because I'm already getting all kinds of heat for being optimistic about this football team. It worked out okay. It worked out just fine. Uh, but I know a lot of people were really upset to the point that they were booing uh, Patrick Mahomes' targets, which... I was kind of surprised that too. I understand why, just the history and all that stuff, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mizzou Daily, is there a more emphatic way to debunk a curse than erasing a twenty-four point de- deficit in a quarter? No, if you you, there is no more curses. There's no more talks of curses. There is none of that anymore. Patrick Levon Mahomes has busted all of the ghosts. He is the Ghostbuster. He is the Baba Yaga. He is soon to be the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. He is incredible. Already there. Already there. Fine. Already there. There is nothing that this man can't do. He turned a classic comeback into a snooze fest. In the second half, the Chiefs came back to beat the Texans 28-24 in the first half and then just ho-hummed 16-point win in the second half against the Texans. That man is a bad dude. And if you are ever going to bet it against him, rethink your life, your entire life, everything about it. Patrick LeVon Mahomes will not be denied. Goodness gracious was that cool. Uh, NJH09, at what point did you think the Chiefs were going to win the game, Maddie? So the Chiefs scored that first touchdown. I knew it was going to be a game, and I felt there was confidence that they would win, but I thought it would go down to the wire. The moment that Dan Sorensen made the tackle on the fake punt, I knew the game was completely over and the Texans had no chance to win. As soon as the ball went right back to Patrick Mahomes after he was as hyped up as he was after that first touchdown, done. It was over. The Chiefs were going to win by. They were going to cover. No questions asked. But I thought when they scored that first touchdown, they were back in it and going to pull it off. Uh, that was about it for me. Um, I I love Dan Sorensen doing the I'm too smart to his head. Like, you could tell he hasn't done that very much, like, compared to Tyron. Like, Badger does it all the time. Dan looked very... He really thought about Darren it. Looked, uh, da- Daniel Sorensen looked very uncomfortable doing it. it. Was It was a top one moment for me. Uh, I, mean, I think that was about the... I think that was about the point where I had a pretty good feeling that they're going to win that football game. And boy, did they ever. Benjamin D. Foss, where does this game rank on your list of craziest games you've ever seen? I mean, it's got to be pretty high. This was probably the, the drunkest start to a game you've ever seen <laughs> from the Chiefs making all the mistakes. And then there was this rally. And then all of a sudden, Bill O'Brien's Bill O'Brien all over the place. Then the Texans are making special teams mistakes. Like this game went from drunk to wasted. It passed out. It woke back up for round two and it just kept going. And then it kind of evened out. They hit their stride. That's when Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs scored seven straight touchdowns. One other, one other moment. Sorry, when Bill O'Brien kicked the field goal to go up twenty-four, I thought to myself, "Uh, that's not a great choice." I had a, de- I had a like an inkling that something good was about to happen after that. That that was so bad, and he didn't have a call for it. How do you not have a call for fourth and inches? 
Like, what is happening? Uh, that's that's definitely up there for one of the craziest games uh, I've ever seen. I was at Chiefs Colts in Indianapolis in 2013. It was so depressing. That was a crazy game. Now I'm now it's on the good side. Now I'm on the good side of that game. Uh, finally. KC Chief Fan 1983, at any point during the first quarter, did your resolve weaken, Maddie? Yeah, I mean, I already said it a little bit. I think when the Chiefs were down 24 nothing, and the way they went down, it's definitely a kind of game that could break the psyche of a team. And I didn't think that was going to happen. Like, you could see the Chiefs on the sideline. They were fired up. You could see how they easily turned this back into a game. But, I mean, if you're down 24 nothing, you're a fan watching from home, especially in my shoes where I was, I thought the Chiefs were going to come out and start a lot hotter than that. Like, that kind of goes against how I thought their plan was to win. But I wouldn't say I ever felt like it was over or anything like that. You know, I think the words resolve weaken. Did my resolve weaken? No. Here's the thing. Like, I was overly, I was, I was, I was positive. I was overly positive, I guess, on Twitter this week, trying to, you know, just remind people that all the anxiety of the past, Lin, Lin Elliott having no control over us anymore, that kind of stuff. I just, it's not that you, you can't be, you know, nervous or anxious. It's just how that anxious manifests itself, I think. You know, I think a lot of times people come in with that here we go again mentality. And you kind of felt that early in the first, in the first quarter. It was just like this, oh, here we go again, same old, same old. I just don't think we need to contribute to that energy anymore. You, you can be nervous, but don't just, I don't think you should be so beat up about the past of this football team that you're letting it affect your mood in the building. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I understand everyone's feelings. I really do. But just in, enjoy what you have. Enjoy that Patrick LeVon Mahomes is your quarterback and that he is going to fight you out of whatever curse gets thrown at you. Just, I... I, I don't I, I have some confidence. I, I'm totally fine with you having some I, I'm totally fine with you having some nerves, everybody. I really I just think you should have some confidence in, in this football team moving forward. S for SA Jordan four. Did we witness the awakening of the beast? If we did, is a team going to be able to stop it? Um I think I honestly I think this team being down twenty four showed the untapped potential of what this team is capable of doing. And it's everything we've wanted to see this entire season. All gas, no breaks. They really haven't done that at all this year. It's kind of been, manage the game. The defense can handle it. We can kind of play complimentary football. No, they just went out and said, okay, we've got to try to play hard now. We've got to, not hard, we've got to try to put the, put the foot on the, on the gas a little bit. And when they did, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. No, the, the, the Titans had no answers for anything. Or the Texans had no answers for anything. They were challenging down the field. They were trying man coverage. Beat it up. like Beat it like a drum. All that anxiety and worry and fear we had about this team beating man coverage, gone. And everything was working. And then Andy started throwing some jets in there. He gave, he gave Dean Pease in Tennessee a lot to think about. That that thing is a not absolute monster, and I think the Titans are terrified to have to play with that thing, so they're going to try to do what the Patriots did with the ball control. 
I think Kins onto something there. I think the team, they, they didn't necessarily wake up, but there was a lack of urgency. It seemed like at times the Chiefs offense this year, or just a general overall demeanor, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They thought they were good enough, which they were. They weren't not playing hard, but there just wasn't this urgency to score and score fast and score big all the time. You saw that come back. I think going down 24 nothing helped. I get the sense that there was a little bit of extra trash talk going on from the Houston Texans early in that Carlos game side. when it was 17-0, nothing. I feel like there was a little bit of trash talk going on. I think that pissed off the Chiefs a little bit. I think being down pissed the Chiefs off. Once they settled in, got through some of those drops to start, it was over. And like Kent said, it's terrifying for defenses going up against them. I am already sure J.J. Watt has pinned up Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Schwartz, and Travis Kelsey posters all over his log <laughs> cabin so he can go up there and brood in the defeat, and he will film it. He will definitely film it for us to see. Sitting on a tire, listening to Fort Minor, just staring at a picture of Patrick Mahomes. 10% look, 20% skill. I'm at home. Okay. He'll change the words to make sure you know his peck was torn and he returned from it, though. Oh, he'll let you know. He'll let you know. He's probably going to show you. He probably did a series on the on the rehab. He probably did a series on the rehab that we haven't seen yet. And that the the, the, the theme song is, is Remember the Name by Fort Minor. So, J.J. Wattenberger. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, this is just jumping off the rails. Vitamin J... Is it good for Chiefs fans to experience a game like this to break the Chiefs are cursed mindset? I hope so. I don't know. It's obviously not from the players. The players don't care. I hope this is. I think. I hope this is what really just finally breaks whatever anxiety that we have. I, the Chiefs uh, next week. It's it's not going to be perfect. There's there's probably going to be some feelings of helplessness. When the run game gets going for the Titans, if the Chiefs don't just start blazing fast, there's going to be some anxiety in the building. But no, the Patrick Mahomes can can fight you out of that. He genuinely can because he keeps continuing to prove it time and time again. I hope this is what breaks the 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 curse, what have you, with with fans, Maddie. I think it should. You should not feel cursed anymore. If your team loses, it's because the other team is better. It's because you weren't playing as good. It's that simple. I think you just saw the biggest combination of there is no way this team can possibly be cursed when they pull that off. Unfortunately, I think you already have a fair amount of people clamoring about the Titans and the Chiefs being cursed against them despite coming off the heels of this game. I don't think it goes away until the Chiefs beat the Titans. Okay. Uh, Ethan Conkey asks, is Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback of all time? I think he's well on his way. I genuinely do. Matty? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's definitely the greatest quarterback of all time. We can end it now. Debate's over. I mean, who else is going to toe drag as they flip the ball to Travis Kelsey on the scramble and keep their foot behind the line of scrimmage? How many third downs? Third and goal. Like there was so many third and goals that they just executed. Like, oh my gosh! Like he's playing at another. Like I, I was rewatching the game and doing some of my the all twenty twos. I was redoing and doing some work, um, on this on this game. And I, the guy was just he was galaxy brain, just on a different level. He was playing three D chess, and everyone else was playing checkers. Jade is sixteen seventeen. What is the most impressive thing about Patrick Mahomes? This is a very loaded question. As easy as it is to say everything, 
So I'm going to take this question to heart and actually answer it right now. Thank the you. most impressive thing about Patrick Mahomes is his ability to see the entire field and process what's happening. And I don't mean players getting open. I don't mean coverages or anything like that. I mean seeing a defensive holding penalty 20 yards downfield out of the corner of his eye. I mean seeing where the line of scrimmage is and knowing to drag his foot as he walks by, as he's drifting by it. Knowing where players are, when to take off and run, just his general field vision and then how quickly he processes it that have nothing to do with actually throwing the ball to an open player is absolutely insane. And it's caught me off guard more times than once. I I think that's basically kind of how I feel. Like his ability to process the game at such a high level. Like last last night, like obviously there was some some really good athletic plays, and he made some athletic throws from from athletic platforms on some short throws and stuff like that. But overall, I just think his ability, how slow the game is to him, he didn't use his athletic traits at an absurd level last week or yesterday. It wasn't like he was just flying around throwing it, you know. Left-handed, he was, you know, not throwing it off his back foot and driving a ball and just trying to fit in a, in a hole after scrambling all over the field. Obviously, there were some of those things, but overall, like what you saw from Mahomes was just sharp, quick decisions throughout the game. I he was almost perfect. His his timing, getting out of the pocket, his timing, running uh, against you know man looks when when the when the coverage was down the field. Um, these little, those little adjustments, like the toe drag, all the, the his ability to process the game is is absurd, and I'm never gonna not appreciate it. And that's all the things that he does on the mental side cannot be overlooked, but they often are. And that's why what's one of the things that we're always trying to like profile when we're when we're talking about on Arrowhead Pride. We're gonna take a break, and we will be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, answering more questions from Twitter, Tamindis79. The Chiefs were showing single high lots and then dropping Sorensen back. Can we play single high effectively against the Titans, Matt? That disguise kind of too deep look is something that the Chiefs have done all year with Juan Thornhill or without him. It's something they're going to continue to do. So like, that's not a brand new thing. I think Sorensen usually hasn't been your guy to drop back, but it's been something that's been in the playbook they did show it a lot this week, which I thought was kind of surprising. They were trying to hide the fact that they didn't want to play single high and then go to the two high looks. It's the Titans. The good news about the Titans is they take their deep shots off play action. They're not trying to just beat you vertically like the Texans will, so you might not need to play too high near as often. They don't have the receivers that are going to beat you vertically like New Hopkins or Will Fullerwill or Kenny Stills even over and over again. They get you by drawing you forward against the run. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs will be able to play a little bit more single high. I think you see they trust their corners on the outside one-on-one coverage. 
it bit them in the back a few times, but they trust them to do it. They're okay with doing it at times. I think they'll only have more trust against Tannehill and A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Tajay Sharp, you know, whoever the Titans are going to put out there outside to go vertically. Ready Aim Lion asks, how important is Jones to the defense against the Titans? Seems like a game for more Naughty and Pinnell to make the middle stout, Matt. We will definitely talk more about this later in the week, and hopefully Craig can come out and join us for this too, because I'm sure he's got some takes. But for me, I definitely think the Chiefs defense is a lot more stout with Derek Naughty, Colin Saunders, and Mike Pinnell manning the defensive tackle spots. The problem is this Tennessee Titans offensive line has been blowing defensive tackles, defensive linemen off the ball. And if that's going to happen, no matter who you're putting out there, you need penetration. You need guys that can get in the backfield, make Derrick Henry at least slow down to change directions. That's where Chris Jones does win better than all those guys. But in terms of just being a stout run stuffing anchor, yeah, they're definitely stronger up the middle without him. I just don't know if the Titans are the best matchup to really flex that kind of run stuffing ability. Yeah, and with Chris Jones, you're going to lose some gap integrity at times with his ability to penetrate because sometimes he's doing it, maybe not necessarily within the structure, but in a situation like this where if you could just get Tennessee behind the sticks a little bit, a few plays here and there. They're going to get theirs in the run game. They're going to be able to move the chains and drive down the field with some success running the football. But if you can get him behind the chains with a play behind the line of scrimmage or, you know, if Chris Jones is just able to penetrate, you know, and force Derrick Henry to move laterally, that changes the variables of the run play significantly uh, for a guy like Derrick Henry. He's extremely linear. Now he's like a freight train. He's running on tracks and he's, impossible to stop after he gets going making him move a little bit can really change the variables of the run game for the titans and that's something if Penn, if chris jones can get some penetration and change that path it could really help this football team cap and denny asks what changes in their game plan for the chiefs with or without chris jones I, mean, I think we kind of tied into it a little bit already there. Without Chris Jones, you're probably going to ask for you know a little bit less stunting from the inside of your interior defensive line. You're probably not going to have Mike Pinnell looping around the outside like you can do with Chris Jones. You probably can't throw out quite as many you know hard slants from the defensive line. Those guys can still do it. They can still play with power. But I do think you definitely lose that penetrating ability up the middle. So instead, you're going to try to probably have a little bit more two-gapping out of your defensive tackles. Maybe try to get them to play a little bit farther past line of scrimmage, but you're just going to hope they can hold their spots a little bit more. Whereas Chris Jones, you don't ask him to anchor. You don't ask him to two-gap. You kind of just have to let him attack and hope he shoots the right gap and the running back can't get away from him because he really can make explosive plays versus the run. He just sometimes will get out of position too. Chief Lutz 11 asks, Hill's role has seemed to diminish lately. Is it game plan? Is there a reason Uh, No, I don't think it's really diminished. I mean, he's still being utilized in a lot of different ways. He's still a guy that teams are terrified, absolutely terrified of. His opportunities just not necessarily have come at the same kind of clip that you're you're typically used to seeing with him. And so um, this very well could be a game where you see Tyreek Hill have some success. Um, And it's not like he he didn't do some good things this week because he definitely did. He had some big plays. It's just, it's not a game plan thing. His his value and his role isn't being diminished at all. It's just the nature of where the targets are going right now. Yeah, and I, 
think like insane teams are trying to take Tyreek Hill away. Like that is the goal of so many teams right now. I think maybe teams think Travis Kelsey's a little slower. Maybe they just think that Tyreek Hill beats them more often than Travis Kelsey does. But we've seen a complete shift from where we started 2000, the 2018 season to where we are now in the 2019 season. Tyreek Hill is, you know, the guy you stop besides Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs. It's 100% you stop Tyreek Hill and you kind of have to let Travis Kelsey do his thing or be an afterthought. Texans did it. I think you're going to see the Titans most likely try to do it. And when that happens, it just opens up other guys. I think you saw as soon as Travis Kelsey got the brunt of that kind of focus, Tyreek Hill draws the long pass interference. Yep, that's Tyreke exactly how it's going to work going forward. Yep, 100%. That's the nature of it. You saw it towards the end, Travis Kelsey literally got double teamed. I think, Maddie, you tweeted it out. They used like They treated... They treated Travis Kelsey as a punt gunner. Yeah, they took a tight. They had a tight end, and they put two guys on the line of scrimmage, like they were trying to block a punt gunner. And they still both grabbed a handful of jersey. A lot of times, they'll keep a guy over the top of Travis Kel- or of Tyreek Hill. So that you know, like there's there's teams that have done that at times, and Tyreek Hill still found ways to get his. Uh, but I, it's not like I don't think Andy's going away from Tyreek at all. And that's also he, how you get Patrick Mahomes running for 50 yards because right. they're playing man coverage and then they're dedicating a safety over the top of Tyreek Hill. There's no one to watch Patrick Mahomes that's happening. It's like it's not just helping other receivers. If you get everyone covered, Mahomes is taken off to free space. But Nardrick McKinney's not chasing him down. No. No, Pat will whoop that. And Bendian asks, why has LaShawn McCoy disappeared completely? It's puzzling to me. He has value. Should He should be fresh. I think we've, if you've been listening to the show, we've tried to tell you that the load management may not necessarily be the reality. It seems like some of, this, some of these load management arguments and all this stuff, we were going to find out what was real and what was not. They're not, it's not load management. It's Andy thinks he stinks management. It's Andy doesn't trust him management. I believe he got one snap this week. Andy doesn't have the same level of trust as him right now. Maybe it's the fumbling issues. Maybe it's protections. Maybe it's they think he lacks bursts. I mean, it took Damian Williams that 83-yard run to, take, uh, to surpass him on yards per carry for the season. I'm just telling you, there's something there. It's a lack of trust. It's a lack of belief in his ability now. It's not load management. I'm pretty sure it never was. Aerodontis asks, which has which was more encouraging from this game? Seeing significant snaps from Dorian O'Daniel or seeing significant snaps from Rashad Fenton? Rashad Fenton for me, pretty easy. I think Dorian O'Daniel did a good job in his very specific special role. He had a very defined role. He did good with it, but it's just not a role you're going to use time and time again. And in reality, you don't want to have to use a special player for that role. You'd rather it be someone that's on the field for other stuff. Rashad Fenton, on the other hand, he was impressive at the last week of the regular season when playing outside corner. He looked pretty good. This week, he got a little outside corner reps, but it was kind of this like, the Kendall Fuller hybrid safety slot DB kind of role. And again, he made a couple plays. I like his tenacity. I think he's going to be a player that's going to help the Chiefs going forward. Maybe never a star, but he's going to actually help the regular defense on a more down-by-down basis. I, uh, re-watching the game, Rashad Fenton was making some plays, man. I mean, 
plays on the football. He was in good position. He should have caught that interception. Consider me. I mean, he's feisty. I think I, Maddie, you might even said that he's just he's a feisty player. Uh, I he can stay. He can stay. He can play on my football team. I, I'm I'm fine with him being around moving forward. Um, Bigwin sixteen asks, how great of a performance did Frank Clark have without Chris Jones to help with a three man rush a lot in the second half? I don't think you can really put into words when you just kind of watch the game how good Frank Clark was. The Chiefs defense didn't allow the Texans to score some points after they jumped out federally. They played very well. And it was really hard to pinpoint like where it was working. Like what were they doing so well that was stopping the Texans? And a lot of it started with Frank Clark. The Chiefs were doing a lot of mush rushes. They were trying to contain Deshaun Watson. They were not having four, even three guys usually try to pin their ears back and get the sack. They essentially let their left defensive end, which most of the time was Frank Clark, just rush the passer. Everybody else was trying to contain and just shrink the pocket. Frank Clark talked about it in the presser. They had some good film on Watson. They knew where he wanted to go. And you saw on more than one occasion, he made Watson pull the ball down and scramble. He got the three sacks. He was all over Watson all the time. I don't think you just, it's hard to put into words how good he was and how much he affected that game and ever kept the Texans from having a chance to stay in it. He had three sacks and he could have had five. He very easily could have had five sacks. My man was active. Everyone who was trying to dunk on Frank Clark, my guy has 10 sacks in the last nine games. He is going on an absolute tear. He said, you know, January, December football. Well, he's brought it in January and December football, and he might just bring it all the way to February the way he's playing. My guy is balling out lately. He's disruptive. He's active. He plays with insane effort. That's that's why they paid him. That is why they paid him. He played through all these injuries all season. He's gone through so much this entire year. And then my guy is out here running 42 yards. The second longest yards on a sack the entire season. Outstanding effort. You never question his motivation his effort he brings it every week the Chiefs needed that they didn't have that last year hint hint wink wink I if you go further oh in the middle of the game he adjusted his right elbow brace and for the next three plays I watched he did not use that right arm to do a single thing he engaged everything with his left arm he made a tackle and he used his right shoulder not his hand his arm after he adjusted the brace he started shaking it out he didn't use that hand for three plays you know what happened on third down after that? He beat the tackle. He dove at Watson. He didn't make the sack. He made him move. He tried to bring him down with that right arm that wasn't working. But here was a guy who clearly was in pain for that series. He couldn't use his right arm. He still made a tack, helped make a tackle on a running back and got a pressure on Deshaun Watson. That, like Kent said, we didn't have a guy that would even be willing to do that last year. Would he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been on the field. He wouldn't have been active. I am Emrick asked, did Terrell Suggs contribute, Matt? 
yes, he made an early good play scraping down the line of scrimmage against the run. And I think it's hard to pin what other pass rushers did besides Frank Clark, because like I said, they were trying to contain a lot. They were getting a couple yards upfield and then they were just trying to hold their position. They weren't even really trying to get after Watson to give him avenues to escape the defensive tackles, passing, you know, Terrell Suggs, even Reggie Ragland a few times did a very good job taking up space, but not being locked down by blockers so that Watson couldn't get away from whoever was rushing off that left side. Matt Lure asks, what adjustments, if any, need to be made for uh, more solidified play in special teams? It's happening at a more alarming clip than we're used to seeing here on the special team side of it. This has not been a good year. Obviously, there's been some good positive moments in all, some of the yardage stats and all that stuff are great. You know, DVOA likes the special teams. There's been critical mistakes. And it's with it's with guys that, you know, Dave Tobes had is this entire year. It's not like they're just throwing a bunch of new guys into the mix. Looked like Dorian O'Daniel was a guy that I, he might have had a, a blown assignment on the block punt. Fumbles. That's been a mistake a lot, you know, this year on special teams and just in general. They've got to clean this up. I don't think there's anything specifically they can do. They just got to be put on high alert. They just need to have good communication throughout the week. They have to need have good focused sessions with the coaching staff on special teams this entire week because they can't afford to make a mistake like they did the last game and the last time they played the Titans too. It's it. There's no margin for error for special teams to do something. Obviously, the special team did some great stuff this week. They did. The return by McCole Hardman, the the fumble that Darwin Thompson, the the controller like got unplugged halfway through his run, uh you know on, on the fumble return like there was some good stuff that happened though there was but you got to tighten everything up you it it was probably a net positive this week but you 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 can't have these critical mistakes that put your team in a bad position. Uh, Shoebotter asks. How much better has the offensive line looked since the shuffle? Big Fish looks healthy and angry. Starting with Fisher, this was his best game I think he's played all year. Whitney Merciless in the past has given him troubles. Like He didn't see a lot of J.J. Watt in this game, but he saw a lot of Whitney Merciless. In the past, he's given Fisher troubles. Now, I know Whitney Merciless isn't quite the same he was two, three years ago, but Fisher handled him amazingly well. He had some great plays in space. He looks like he's feeling a little better, maybe has a little more confidence back. And then, yeah, overall, the offensive line, since Wisniewski's got in there, since Pat's kind of settled down a little bit back there and helped them out a little bit more by stepping forward and not always drifting back, they've looked significantly better. Run blocking, still a big question mark, though. Devin Travis 29 asks, why hasn't McCole Hardman supplanted D-Rob? And I get the route tree and knowing the offense, but he's just way better. Hashtag Kent should bang the drum. I, I mean, I don't know why, but... <laughs> um, I mean, I know that it sounds like the route tree and knowing the offense is is a boring answer, but I do think there's a lot to that. And I think there's, you know, just a level of trust that they have with Demarcus Robinson, rightly or wrongly. He had an awful game, just awful. I think he had one catch for seven yards and four drops for what could have been, you know, 30, 40 yards. He had some crucial drops, bad drops in bad times. And a lot of the boos that were being, 
that were going out in Arrowhead were because of Demarcus Robinson. However, McCole Hardman, despite all that, saw 15% of the snaps this week, 15 or 17. They just they have him in a niche role. He comes in, he catches a jet sweep or two. Uh, I'm sure he's going to get a couple shots to run down the field vertically this week. Maybe he'll come uncovered on one of them. That's just that's just his rookie year. I think you just kind of got to live with that. SoCal eleven eighty six against the Titans. Who is more important to stop, Tannehill or Henry Matt? This is the one team in the NFL I'm going to pick the non quarterback for, and it's only because the simple fact the Titans have no problem handing the ball off thirty times and dictating that your defense has to stop the run, which allows Tannehill to look like he's playing incredibly well this year, which he's playing good, but he's getting the most favorable looks because teams have to sell out Henry. And I do think you have to, or he will run the ball 40 times and he will have over 200 yards. And it's one of the few teams that could win by running the ball. I think part of the reason that I want to focus on here's, here it is. I think it's Henry and here's why it's not about time of possession it's not about, I'm not big, just run the football the time guy. What the Titans are capable of doing, which is smart, is, is reducing the number of possessions that the Chiefs can have. They can, the Chiefs got 13 possessions this week. The Titans could very easily reduce the number of possessions that the Chiefs can get, and if they start slow, it makes it much more difficult for them to slow down. I want to turn this game into Patrick Mahomes versus Ryan Tannehill. Turn it into that game. I would love for this game to be Patrick Mahomes versus Ryan Tannehill. Even with favorable looks that Tannehill will certainly get that he's got all year. Give me Patrick Mahomes versus Ryan Tannehill. Max Arquilla asks... The biggest Chiefs strength and the biggest Chiefs weakness going into the AFC Championship game. Also, love your guys' show. You guys make my commute from work in traffic way better. Max Arquilla, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, The biggest strength of the Chiefs right now is their passing offense. If they go out there and they go do some of the stuff that they did this week, they, if they play at that kind of level, they are going to set Tennessee on fire. Nashville will be ablaze. It, it will, it will be, it will be amazing. Their biggest weakness, I still think, is their secondary, and you saw that this week. The safeties, not you know, Juan Thornhill not being there, not good. Uh, Charvarius Ward had his worst game as a Chief without some of the benefit of of the help that he typically gets. Uh, with Juan Thornhill back there. Traveris had a rough day. I don't trust this secondary. Good news is Titans want to run the football. I think the best thing about the team right now is just the weapons. And like it's easy to go with you know, passing offense in general or Patrick Mahomes. Like those are the easiest, obvious answers. But I do think these weapons that the Chiefs have whether it's Damien Williams as a runner or a receiver, all the wide receivers, Travis Kelsey at tight end, that's a lot of weapons. Even an average quarterback with these weapons and Andy Reid as a coach can do so much damage in the playoffs. Like we've seen Alex Smith with 
half these amount of weapons, put up points in spots. You can take an average quarterback that can do a lot of good when you get Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, so on and so forth. So I'm going to go with that for the strength. The weakest part, conservative coaching. We didn't see it against the Texans, but we've all seen it over this tenure with Andy Reid, head coach. Get a little bit of a lead, take your foot off the gas, allow the Titans to come back and beat you. We've seen that more than once and more than twice. So, like, that's going to be my biggest weakness: just conservative coaching, especially once you have the lead. You guys want you want to you want to hear some some reasons for optimism there, Maddie? Andy Reid, conservative coaching. Mike Vrabel cut from that same cloth and maybe even a uh, a darker color of that cloth that guy is he he's made some very boneheaded do- coaching decisions to the point where when we were talking in the middle of the year to a, a titans beat writer or a titans writer for sb nation on uh, arrowhead pride radio he wanted to fire mike vrabel because of his decision making didn't work out so well for him there but I think if it comes to, if it comes to in-game coaching decisions, uh, Mike Vrabel is going to have to change his stripes. To be honest, C uh, Fletch Zero asks, "Will Tyreek Hill ever be trusted to return the ball again?" I believe he went back and returned the ball after or caught a punt after the fumble. So yes, he will be trusted. Jpez twenty five. Can the offense keep up the pace or keep keep the pace up with uh, against the Titans? Fifty one points in three quarters. Probably not, but I think the Chiefs can score at an insanely hard clip for any team to keep up with, especially the Tennessee Titans, and I do expect them to do that. The Titans have been on a hot streak. I just think the Chiefs are going to be that kind of buzzsaw team right now that is going to have everything clicking these last couple games of the year. I do too. Uh, Plumber66, will the Chiefs play Mike Pinnell this time around? Yes, they will. We'll see if it matters. He's definitely going to... I would be stunned if he's inactive this week because I'm sure that they're going to bulk up, especially if Chris Jones is absent, to try to to try to try stop the run along the interior. Nate CH479 asks, each of you guys gets 30 seconds to give a motivational speech to the Chiefs straight off the top of your head. What are you going to say? Go, Matty. Listen... You guys are playing the Tennessee Titans. They are led by a quarterback the Miami Dolphins let go. His name is Ryan Tannehill. He's had a great year. His name is Ryan Tannehill. He's playing well for them. They are a run-first team. His name is Ryan Tannehill. You have Patrick Mahomes. I don't need 30 seconds. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Ryan Tannehill. The game is over. Okay. Think about all the adversity that you guys have been through. Think of all the stuff that you've had to deal with, the process that you've went through to build this football team on both sides of the ball, the adversity you went through with injuries. There's one way that this can end. All of the things that have happened to this point, all the things that you've played through, all the things that you've done to get to this point, including an amazing trip, uh, amazing performance last week, all of that, there's one way that this can end, and it's a Super Bowl. Go do it. Uh, Simply Pat D asks, who are... Hold up, hold up. I got to get back in here. This has to go on record. Kent has known this question is coming for at least 24 hours. I saw it three seconds before I had to answer. So just when you're judging our motivational speeches, keep that in mind. Uh, I didn't know that they were judging him, but... Oh, there's judgment. Oh, well, I hope I won. 
don't take anything Maddie just said into consideration. He's had the questions too for a while, so I mean, whatever. Simply Pat D asks, "Who are your X factors for each phase? Offense, defense, special teams heading into next week?" Well, guess what? We have a show dedicated to that and more. The game preview edition for the AFC Championship game will be up on Friday. We'll be taking care of that question and plenty more, getting you ready for what could be the Chiefs hoisting the Lamar Hunt Trophy for the first time at Arrowhead. We'll catch you later.